Welcome to Cloud Dialogues. I feel like I have the you weirdest tone when I say that. You say it so well, Georgia. You say it so well. <laughs> oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> You've been practicing that for the last I've week. Got a face for radio, a face for podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Welcome to everybody to episode five. So today on this episode. Matt has just arrived back from reInvent. So he's in recovery, but also we thought we would yeah, a we thought we would take a little bit of recovery. Yeah, I mean you haven't got COVID yet, so that's a good sign. Yes. Other people <laughs> I mean you're in quarantine at home, which I think is reasonable. <laughs> um, but you haven't yes. come down with it yet. No, I got it at yet. Summit last year. I think, you know, unfortunately the statistics aren't good. <laughs> But anyway, um, so obviously you've just gotten back from Summit, which is from uh, reInvent, which is like one of the biggest, I guess it's really the main the biggest, cloud event the of the biggest. year, right? Like there's not really anything yeah. else that happens that's as exciting as reInvent. Um, so, and as, and such a marathon as well, because it's, it's over basically five days, right? Yeah. Five yeah, days. In Vegas. 55,000 people. 55,000 people over five days in Vegas. Yeah, it's no wonder everybody gets COVID. Um, so we, we thought we would take the opportunity today in this episode to just recap all of the announcements at reInvent um, and why they're important to executives. And then as well as that, um, just to mention as well that obviously it's now December and we are this will be us done for the year um we'll be taking a little break after this episode goes live um which is really exciting because it's been quite a big year and i think we're, we're we're looking forward to having a bit of downtime um but obviously we would love to hear from all of you as to the different things that you want to hear about next year um in terms of january one exciting thing that we already have teed up is um one of the certified FinOps professionals is going to come and talk with us, which is really exciting. Um, I think, you know, financial management of cloud is something that's always challenging for organizations as they move to cloud. Um, and it requires a lot of expertise and knowledge to manage that effectively um, in order to make sure that the value is really realized and costs are really kept under control. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, but obviously, if you do have other thoughts about things that you would like to hear about, I would love to hear them. Um, just because I'm having break over Christmas doesn't mean I don't need more ideas. Um, just don't be shocked if I take a few days to respond to you. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> reInvent. Yes, I'm back from reInvent after 15 hours on a plane. So, yes, that was fun. Um, you did very well. Well done. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. Um, I had a nap when I got back and then decent enough sleep, so that's good. Um, so, I arrived on the, I arrived in Las Vegas on the Sunday and... Um, even on the Sunday, you could feel the bars, all the people, so many people walking around. Um, and the idea is you pick up your badge, pick up your swag, and then you see all the people who arrive. Some people arrive on the Sunday, some people arrive on the Monday, and then you just, you know, catch up with whoever's around. Sunday, I was probably still a bit wiped out from the flight, so um, I probably did a bit bit more napping than socialising on the Sunday. Uh, um, um, apart from a little food in the evening with some people. And then um, Monday is is the kickoff day. 
So we usually say so the structure of the week is that there's a whole lot of breakout sessions, which are all recorded. Um, usually a lot of people don't worry too much about those. Um, and then there's a lot of chalk talks and, and other workshop type sessions. Um, Monday evening is the first keynote, Peter DeSantis, where a bunch of serverless announcements came out, um, which which were um, fairly, fairly interesting. Although when Amazon release a service that says serverless in the name, you've got to really look into it and see if it's really serverless. Um, unfortunately, the Elastic Cash announcement serverless, the announcement isn't really fully serverless, but hey, that's okay. Um, uh, it's still managed. So that's good. Elastic Cash is a caching service to um, enable, uh, I guess, putting your data closer to your compute so you don't have to keep going to the database to um, to get the information you need. So an improvement on Elastic Cash is welcome. Um, and then there was some other stuff around Aurora serverless, which is making the existing Aurora serverless database a little bit more serverless by managing the whole scaling up and down. So that's called Aurora Limitless Database. So that was really the announcements on the on the Monday evening. It was pretty light on. Um, and then Tuesday... Matt, yes. just going, just a, a stopping on Elasticash. Yeah. I'm guessing that there are two reasons why that's important. And one is cost and one is latency, right? Yes, that is correct. So, um, so... A lot of the time, if your application has to go all the way to the back end and get some information and pull it back to the to the to the front end, um, and if that data data is static, a lot of the time, then allowing it to cache that all the way through, uh, cache that closer to the compute without having to go back to the database to get that information makes things a lot faster at the front end. So, the announcements about making that whole system easy to deploy and you don't have to worry about the sizing and all that sort of stuff so it's about just deploying it serverlessly and letting letting it deal with scaling and everything previously um, the cloud engineer or, or app dev or someone had to um, scale that um, for them and how come it's not completely serverless matt like what is the oh that still charges you if you're not using it so serverless for a lot of people oh okay it right. might be a smaller okay. smaller fee but um there's a lot of things around that in theory serverless should really scale to zero and mm. pay you know close to zero maybe not zero should but, be you as know. per like event right exactly exactly right yeah um but usually AWS improve on these things over time. So, so let's see. So that was yeah the Monday evening, um, and then Tuesday was Adam Solepsky's um, keynote. Uh, that, that's a big one. I went to that one. Um, he did a bunch of announcements. I won't go through them all here because we'll go through them in a sec after I go through the week. But um, it's obviously Gen AI was a big big thing. Um, and a bunch of other sort of um, some new chips were announced and some uh, zero ETL integrations. Um, so yeah, that's basically Gen I was one of the main themes of the week. So um, it featured heavily within Adam's keynote. Um, at, at going to a keynote at reInvent is really an experience because the, at the beginning of that keynote it was. Um, there's a, uh, I think it was an Australian rock band actually, doing covers of, of 
uh, popular songs. Um, and yes, it's a bit loud at eight o'clock in the morning, but um, <laughs> or seven thirty like in the morning. I wouldn't actually. be able to deal with that. I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that. I heard. I feel like though, you know, like didn't didn't Microsoft have like Jason Derulo one year? Like I, I feel oh, like maybe. there's yeah, a couple yeah. of different standards here. Like <laughs> t- yeah, it's a bit like that. Tough, times are tough. Times are tough, man. Um, and I didn't even have my coffee that day, so I was I was really um, That's itching horrific. for that at the end. I don't know end. how you did it. <laughs> I know. I don't know either. But um, I can't do anything without coffee. <laughs> I was lucky enough to. Oh, they did screw up some of the. Um, we had some of us had fast passes to be able to go to the front, but it appears I turned up at the right time because I got my seat. But a lot of people were turned away, and I think the people doing the seating uh, had had some uh, some let's say strange uh, instructions pro- <laughs> process issues and the wrong people were filling right. the, the priority seats but they fixed that for the rest of the week after that um uh day three was swami's keynote i didn't go to that one um i'd been out the previous night so uh i caught some of the swamis in the, from the room swami does a lot of data announcements uh again a lot of much a, a, a gen ii focus there um improvements around bedrock and a whole bunch of other things and then um day four was verna's keynote um i did attend that that's probably the other most heavily attended keynote uh where I feel like verna is like a celeb Oscar celebrity yeah almost. yeah and like, again at least in the tech world exactly and he and that one also had a loud music but it was more classical music for popular songs so i feel like that would suit verna <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think from memory... Like I think, his persona. Yeah, from memory, I think that happened last year too. Um, and he talked about... He didn't have any huge big announcements actually, um, but he did talk about um, one of the themes of the week around costs uh, and cost cost in the context of architecture, about building your architecture and thinking about yeah. cost for every every piece of it. And he uh, unveiled a website called thefrugalarchitect.com. I'll make sure Ooh. the link is in the notes. Um, Again, um, FinOps, I think, you know, as, as organ- and especially as organisations become more mature, I think they find that costs start blowing out and they start to panic. Yeah. And that's why it needs to be a day one thing, right? Like yeah. cost optimization and management needs to be a day one thing. It can't be something that happens like... Because I think in a lot of organisations, good practice happens years down the line, and that's concerning. Exactly, and because he like law at thefrugalarchitect.com, I won't go through all of them, but one of the laws, the first law, is making cost a non-functional requirement. So yep. making it uh, a key part part of everything that when you're making decisions, uh, making cost like you know front and centre of of building out your architecture. I mean, if security is day, if security is job zero, then cost is job one. Pretty much. Right? Oh, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Um, the other thing yeah. he said is every engineering decision is a buying decision. Like that's one of his yes. sayings. Is um, it all a trade-off, right? Exactly. Um, so that's super I love important. That. Yeah. And I'm excited I, for FinOps. <laughs> that's right, FinOps. Yeah, that'd be nice to have a FinOps episode coming up. So that, that'll be good. It's coming. It's coming. Um, uh, and I guess last year's Werner, Werner keynote was also, um, it was, uh, last year you talked about serverless a lot. Again, doing serverless means you, you, you have low cost. So the theme sort of um, 
well, last year he had a lot of announcements as well, but um, this year it was more about just reminding people about, you know, um, thinking about all these different things and how they price certain services to deal with, you know, certain exactly you got to price it accordingly because that's how people are going to use the service as well. So you've got to take into account, you know, people um, doing things that maybe you don't intend, like, you know, downloading a whole heap of files out of S3, but you have a fixed price for, for S3 downloads and just the decisions they've made around those sorts of things. So it's actually a very good keynote to, uh, to watch. We'll put the links in the show notes. So that's kind of the week. Um, and then day five is a... Kind of a recovery. There's only, there's really only half half a day a, a, of stuff. <laughs> a recovery day. So it was like breakfasts and lunches and catch up with people and a nap in the afternoon. Um, and then I caught up, caught up with friends for pizza in the evening. So it was, yeah. Um, and then obviously there's parties in and out during the week in the evenings. Um, part or parties slash social events. Um, yeah, it's it, it's you basically anyone that you. Um, communicate with online there'll be people there that you know or in communities that you know and it's a way it's a good way to um to catch up with people so yeah it was a good week so that's kind of my summary took a bit longer than i expected there but hey that's okay i did stop Uh, you a few times you did amazon q Um, yes i'm this is i'm i think this is something that we've talked about quite a bit is you know, how do you use, like, when we think about AI and starting to use AI as organizations, because I think a lot of organizations, unless they're like tech first companies, like, unless they're tech companies, right? I think a lot of organizations are still very early on in this journey. And one of the things that we talked a bit about is, okay, well, so we want to, we will obviously, as organizations, as executives, we want to understand how we can use AI to give us a competitive advantage and i think the first step to that is using it internally so this is i think this is massive and i'm so excited about this like for what it can do for organizations and particularly in big organizations where you've got lots of information sitting around i think a lot of time we spend in large organizations especially organizations that's moved fast is like where's this information where's that information how do we create a cohesive story for our customers um and this is just such a game changer yeah Uh, i know people were using a lot of uh also let's talk about what it is so basically it comes in two two main flavors i guess there's one for um uh, devs and, and tech professionals and then there's one yeah. for business uh, we'll talk about the business one here today um, uh, the other one is, is very powerful too but basically being able to um, pull all your information together in your organization assuming this works as advertised it's only been out for you know <laughs> a few days we'll get to that we'll get to that in a second Matt. let's get yeah. to that in a second let's talk the, about it first because i think it is really exciting that i don't want to i don't want to like yeah. jump ahead of that the um basically every every organization has data in all different silos so you've got your office so 365 google drive five um, different SharePoint. learning apps Exactly. Slack. Case studies, customer Set. feedback. 
um, Confluence the Jira. It's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. it's just obscene. Reporting, data, like uh, financials. Oh, yeah. Excel files. Projects. Yeah. Oh, just like so much data. And it's so difficult to harness it. Yeah, so hard to find it and also get the insights out of it and combining all the information together to get the view of, of what you want. Um, and, you know, PDF files, document files, all those sorts of things. So Amazon Q um, basically has built-in connectors at launch with, it says, over 40 built-in connectors. So pretty much every system that anyone uses, I would say, suspect, uh, has a connector um, for Amazon Q. And basically the idea is that it pulls in all that data um, puts it through its models or whatever and then allows you to query the information um, for particular insights and it takes in and say one thing that I wasn't sure about but it seems to um, take into account user permissions as well so if it's ingesting all that data it still takes into account what the user who's querying the data has permission to see so it doesn't yeah, um, right. give them so it has the information built-in functionality yeah so there must be some obviously wow. some integration with um azure id or whatever your identity system is and it knows where that data came from and who has permission to see it um what would be interesting is if those permissions get updated over time and how that um how that filters through but yeah interesting have to have a play with is that it just hooked up it to like iam yeah yeah um yeah i think so Yep, and um, interesting. Yep, there'll be some federated um, authentication to to the enterprise AD. So this is, I think, this is really a game changer for um, being able to query data. Previously, I think people built their own um, using probably OpenAI, uh, ChatGPT, sort of private APIs and stuff up until now. Um, but this uh, looks like it makes the process a lot simpler. But I'm sure Microsoft have got something similar. Well, their Copilot stuff does a lot of similar type things yes. to this as well yes i think some, like quite a few organizations are rolling that out which is you know i think really exciting um, but i think um the other part that obviously is really interesting is the like i don't know we don't we don't want to talk too much about it is um for for development is obviously an important thing as well i think what is interesting though is and i've seen a bunch of research on ai for developers and what I've seen, basically, this is just an interesting point. I'm slightly taking us off track. Sorry. That's okay. Go for it. <laughs> is that for uh, for like uh, mature developers, so developers that are experienced, AI is super helpful and it makes them, you know, quite a significant margin more efficient. Um, but for junior developers, it actually makes them more efficient, more inefficient. Oh, um, so it actually yep. takes away some of their efficiency, which I actually thought was really interesting. Um, but yeah, so... Anyway, um, but that would make sense. Obviously, that would make sense. Yeah, because yeah, the, I think uh, it does, right? I think be- it does. Because the uh, you still got to have the experience to work out whether what you're being told is useful. Yeah, wisdom of experience. Yes, the wisdom to know the difference between what's right and what's not. To look <laughs> exactly. at it and go, mm, this doesn't look right. Yes, agree. Um, other thing, obviously, we saw a couple of blogs over the over the like the latter half of the weekend published some news about q um and effectively yes. saying that it was it was hallucinating yeah quite a bit but it was also um leaking confidential data i know that amazon has said that that's not true um 
but yeah, I think I think obviously always like you know, the, uh, and this is a in a way a lot of way a lot of ways it's a great thing that Amazon goes early to market with things and tests them tests it with customers. It's like okay, well, is this working? Is this what customers want? They really deliver that like MLP and then they build on it, right? Yeah. And I think through that journey, a lot of customers like jump on board. Like there will be a few early adopters, but then as time go, like a you know, I think adoption can quite significantly yeah, it'll skyrocket eventually. Increase. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, because they put in that like R and I into that pr- process. Yeah. Um, wait, R and D. Sorry. R and D. R and D into that process, which I think is yeah. Like obviously, there's always going to be kind of teething issues, and I think from what I understand, um, Azure's similar product has had teething issues as well. Um, yeah. I saw some posts on like the Aussie corporate, etc., saying that people were like, yeah, it's doing some weird stuff. But I think, you know, that's just part of being an early adopter is that, and, and as we always say, ch- validate what it says because <laughs> it could validate, be yeah. like, it's every now and then I've gone back through something that I got AI to write for me and I've gone, there's some hallucinations in here. Some of this is not true. Um, So yeah, it's definitely really important to, especially at this point in where we are with the technology, validate the outcomes. Yep, yep, super important. And of course, this is all underpinned by Bedrock behind the scenes. So Amazon Bedrock, if you didn't know, is the um, uh, AWS version of, um, well, hosted models and makes uh, hosted foundation models for LLMs to make um, um, these sorts of, you know, generative AI systems work very well. And Matt, so tell me if I'm wrong, from what I understand, Bedrock is like the almost database that hosts the models, right? So it stores the models. It's the API, yeah. It's basically the API, which has a whole bunch of, you know, 10, 12 different models from different companies. Um, and it's right and, so it hosts third party hosts, models yeah exactly right okay. uh, and and, and right, aws right. aws's ones as well titan oh, okay um, right right okay yeah because I was, I was trying to understand like how they so a bedrock kind of provides that back end exactly right yep um awesome. and that actually is a good segue to the new chips that were announced um graviton 4 so graviton is their arm um AWS's self-built ARM processor for the last five years now. I think 2019 was the first year that came out. That's for more uh, generic uh, sort of enterprise work, general purpose workloads, let's just say. And then Trainium 2 is the um, one that helps training models and makes things a lot more efficient um, from a... LLM so that's really for AI. Generative AI perspective, yeah. So um, yeah. both of those cool. were released. So, um, so I guess it's part of that like wider capability to enable organisations to use AI effectively. Yeah. The other point around that is that Microsoft only recently announced that theirs will be out next year. They're, they're self-built processes. Um, and right. Google and Google don't even have theirs in production yet. From the information I could see, um, they're expecting 2025. So um, AWS has been yeah, doing their own processes for quite a while now, um, and they're you know cheaper, more efficient, um, and yeah, uh, pretty useful, especially from a sustainability and cost perspective. 
Oh, let's just oh, the Trainium ones are actually pretty expensive, but so when I say cheap, I'm, I mean cut there for something that would take a regular Intel processor months. Trainium takes you know days slash weeks to do training. So wow, super optimized for for training models. Wow, that's yeah. quite a difference. Yes, indeed. Um. I'm just looking at the time. Maybe we'll jump to... We've kind of talked about Bedrock, haven't we? Yeah, we're ch- yeah I'll skip Bedrock. And I'll do a bit of... Uh, a tiny bit on SageMaker. So SageMaker Yeah, is, I think that's important. Yeah. So SageMaker is, um, uh, is basically Amazon's... Uh, the whole SageMaker to me is a little bit complicated because there's a whole bunch of different services within SageMaker. But ultimately, it's for data scientists to... Um, process data it's machine learning train right? models yeah machine learning um and you can basically it basically helps building training and deploying models so deploying models can be a very difficult process because um, you have to if your data changes you have to retrain it and then you have to deploy the model you've got to make sure the right models are in production and you've got to make sure that the right um you got proper change control and you know which one's running where and everything so it basically is a is a service to help manage that whole process um and it looks like there was a whole bunch of releases around um help obviously helping training foundation models which are the basis of llms and gen ai so um so they're building up their um SageMaker capability to to match all the new releases around Bedrock and the foundation models and LLMs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also another one around um, enabling easier managed data preparation using Data Wrangler. I love that name. Data, you wrangle your data with Data Wrangler. Um, <laughs> which is, I love that. This is so accurate. Which is used to uh, as input for training the models because that whole process training uh, prepping the data training the models deploying the models just takes so much time and of course now you can actually fine-tune the um the bedrock hosted models as well now too that was also one of the releases so um slowly iterative no not you know great huge announcements but just iterative announcements to that all build on each other to make this whole process easier Uh, SageMaker. Anything else in SageMaker? I think that's kind of it. Um, question, Matt. What's the difference mm. between, like, say, for example, employing a large language model via SageMaker as opposed to, like, employing a large language model with, like, Bedrock? Like, what is the difference? Um, Sage, actually, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but Bedrock... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think SageMaker... Um, uh, is more for your traditional ML models um, where you're bringing your own model, but it can also deploy a model that's in bedrock, I believe. That's my understanding. So okay, right. it can help manage that process. So um, the ones in bedrock are pretty much fixed as is, but now there's a way to fine-tune them and you can do that with SageMaker. So I think, I think yeah, the two right. services are starting to um, uh, integrate somewhat. So you can take a model out of bedrock, like a third-party model, and curate it for your needs. 
yes. and deploy it on SageMaker? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to check. That bit I'm not sure about. Um, <laughs> okay. You can. I know you can fine tune Sorry, it. I'm testing the limits yeah, of testing knowledge my, at this point. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, Interesting. But now, I actually now, wasn't aware that you could fine tune. Uh, that was a new. That was a new. No, that's it. That was new this last week. Um, oh wow! Okay, so yeah. I was going to say that. So that's very new. Okay. Yes. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fine tuning. A, a managed fine tuning process. They call it. Um, but yeah, that, that's, um, that's that around SageMaker. Um, and the other thing around, um, I do want to briefly talk about, uh, cost controls cause you know, business leaders like to know about their yes. cloud costs. So, uh, there was a lot of releases this year, which actually don't get the, um, the highlight that they probably should, but AWS's cost dashboards have been kind of not that great over the years but they're slowly well, they haven't been updated a lot have they no but i think they've got more updates in the last few weeks than they have for a long right. time in the last few years <laughs> no i think it's like and i think it's a lot of organizations i feel in the last you know couple of years have started to get this point in that cloud maturity where they've they've started moving a lot to cloud or they have moved a lot to cloud and then they find that their costs are getting out of control and it's because they're not well architected in yeah. the way that helps manage those costs. They don't have the right controls in place. So getting getting a handle on that is so important. And I always think that, obviously I have a lot of context from, Azure, from AWS, is that they will always do what they can to tell you that you can save money. Yes, exactly right. They're not going to try to rip you off. I really, I really don't think it. It's just not in their culture. Um, so uh, I think that that's part of their culture coming out is like, okay, well, let, let's give everyone the tools to really manage those costs and understand where things are maybe not optimal. Yeah, the AWS has a, AWS um, solution architects are usually pretty good at that as well, um, helping customers. Absolutely, um, but they only scale so far, right? Yeah, that's this is right. The thing is that that you can only like it's one thing for a, a AWS salesperson to ask their SA to give some tips, but in the end, they can't go and implement that for you. They can't right. deploy it into your environment. You need to do those things yourself. Um, or, or via so a partner. I think that's, yes, or via exactly via a partner. I think partners are super critical are becoming super critical in, in this space because if they've got the right knowledge they can help you to keep it under control and know where your money's going and know that you're getting the right value from day one yeah exactly so some a couple of the updates um you can do more granular filters with your export using a traditional sql query interface which is pretty cool and you can have, there's multi-year cost retention it used to um mm. not go that oh, long yeah, i saw I that 38 months, so you can see your trends. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just a bit over three years, so you can see, you know, your, that's cool. your trend for the last three years. Um, uh, and also there's a lot of optimization in the dash, dashboard update. There's a lot of optimizations around uh, recommended actions to save money. Um, and there's a lot of, I think there's some Amazon Q happening around behind the scenes around this as well to give you right, options right. to... Um, Things that you can do like upgrading to ARM, um, you know, Graviton, for example, right sizing up, down, and when savings plans would probably make sense. So that sorts of things. Um, yeah. So so that's kind of cost controls. 
And the, the last thing that I think is a significant announcement um, is around uh, zero ETL. So ETL is a extract, transform and load. So normally if your organization has a whole bunch of data engineers, that's what they do for their day job, um, building pipelines to take data from transactional databases to analytical databases and doing that in real time. So batching, people used to do it all batch-wise because real-time was too hard. Um, but over the last few years, real-time has become super important to be able to get this data in other areas uh, and combining them and enriching them with all the other data sources. Um, are super important to have this real-time view of, of you know, um, I don't know, where your widgets are selling from, whatever whatever data you're storing, how, how which one's selling the most um, from where, all those sorts of things. Um, having a a, um, a real-time way. So what this service does is basically take away all the scripts and the automation that used to be in place to be able to get all this data from a transactional database to an analytical database to um, manage that whole process for you. So you just have to click a few buttons, join the databases up, and your data will end up in Redshift or wherever it needs to go So um, as a data warehouse. So, um, yeah being able to do real-time ETL is a big deal. And um, if this works you know, as, as advertised, then um, it will save a lot of time and data engineers can do a lot of other more interesting things rather than writing scripts or fixing pipelines that are broken because the, the, the data transfer didn't work or finding out, you know, it hasn't worked for five days. Now they've got to work out how far back they've got to you know, restart from. So um, this, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> This makes this <laughs> makes um, your data organisation a lot more efficient, and you should get your teams to to look at this stuff. Um, some of it's in preview, some of it's um, GA, um, um, but the um, yeah, and slowly they don't have all databases supported yet, but they're working on all the Amazon managed ones to start with. So that's I'm RDS sure and Aurora, come. yeah. Awesome. So I think I'll that. Look. That's that's our summary of reInvent. Um, Yay! For for executives and business leaders, and um, we'll put some links in the in the show notes um, where to go get more information. Um, and yeah, uh, any final thoughts? Just to say thank you for our to our listeners for the year that has been. Um, obviously we started this a few months back now and I really appreciate the emails and messages about like coming on as a guest and you know we love that and we'll take you up where we think there's an opportunity um, obviously again love to hear about what you want to hear about next year aside from FinOps which is definitely coming <laughs> that's right very um, soon yes uh, but yeah, obviously we love we love feedback, so please send us an email, um, leave us a comment on YouTube, whatever. Yep. Give Subscribe. us a rating, a rating on Spotify or Apple or whatever channel yeah. you're listening this to this through. Um, but yeah, just no, thank you everybody for all the engagement and for listening, and I hope it's been useful. <laughs> and we um, definitely try. <laughs> And it's been it's been fun, um, and we're learning a lot as we go. Um, not just doing the show, but the post production and all that sort of stuff is uh, interesting as well. So, 
totally. Yes. Cool. All right. Till next time. Till 2024. Hope you all have a wonderful Christmas or whatever you celebrate and um, safe and happy holidays. And we will see you early Jan energized in the new year. (laughs) All right. Have a good break, Georgia. Bye. (laughs) See ya. You too. Bye. (laughs) Bye.